Welcome to another rockin' edition of Wonder Mag on air. Next guest goes by many names. He's known as Cecil Glenn, DC Glenn, the brain supreme behind the rap group Tag Team. Right now, he is starring in the most popular commercial on television, which is a parody of his hit song, Whoop, There It Is. And this one says, Scoop, There It Is, for the Geico insurance commercials. So sit back and listen to my interview with the wonderful. The inspirational DC Glenn. 
I have my guest DC Glenn on the line and I want to be asking him some questions today and you're going to uh, know who this person is if you don't already you should already know who he is he is uh, one half of the team rap group tag team in the early 1990s tag team broke the stereotype about hip-hop music by demonstrating it is more than inflammatory lyrics so would you tell us a little bit about this and 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 what this means for you Okay. Sprinkle! <laughs> right. Now I'm ready. I gotta get warmed up, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Brain Supreme Tag Team. I'm glad to be here with everybody. Um, your question was basically, how come we didn't cuss? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess what I guess what I'm asking you is, uh, you know, rap music has sort of gotten a bad rap, and you guys sort of proved it wasn't what everybody yeah, thinks it was, is. That, that was not my design, and. Yeah. Yes. That's always been a talent of mine, so I can I can create a real graphic story without even cutting. It might even it might even have more effect than you would because you're now now you're listening and you're not hearing that abrasive uh you know you're not hearing abrasive lyrics and you're you're actually listening to the story and visualizing the story. And if I add comedy, if I add tragedy, whatever emotion I want to add, I know that you're gonna see it because I'm not cussing. Mm -hmm. And that Right. You know, just uh, you know, just the neutral cuss words. Get away with those, but just straight out cussing every this and that, and being just abrasive, you can't do nothing. You can't make no money. Well, you right? know, you know, I remember, and the early rap songs didn't have all that cussing in it. I mean, I, no, I, no, 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 no. But I mean, you know, but then you know, people, it, it, it's more about reflection of where you're from, right? Right. You're right. So, Yes. Now you got everybody cussing and then cussing becomes a kind of a term of, you know, it becomes, it becomes a process of endearment because, you know, people think they have to do it. Now it kind of becomes reality and everybody's doing it. Yeah. And, you know, we just knew that where we were trying to go, the record company wasn't going to have it. And we didn't need to do it. You know, it felt like we did sometimes, but we really didn't. So, you know, because my, my first song, you can cut some fun, but you're not going to sell no record, right? That's right, you're right. Stuff that I was doing in person just for me having fun. And even now, I might make a song or write some lyrics or things from lyrics that have a bunch of cussing in it. But it's still more of a story than it is just me cussing. Like how comedians will cuss and just cuss and cuss and cuss. Right.
That's a very good take on that. But I want to ask you about, uh, I have down, you were born in Chicago, but you soon moved to Denver and met Steve Gibson, right? Can you tell us about how you two clicked together musically? Actually, just, uh, we were in the same homeroom, and his last name Gibson, my last name Glenn, so we sat next to each other. Oh, that's right, yeah. Two, yeah, two. just came, became friends, and uh, he had a band, and they had played, they, they would play uh, in the quad, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, I want to be in that band. So it took me about two months beating them down before they let me in the band, and uh, that's really how I really got involved and, you know, just really organized. I played trumpet and piano lessons. I've been in plays and choirs and stuff like that. But when I got to high school, that's when it just kicked in. Then I was in the choir. And then I saw uh, Steve and some of his friends DJing at the first high school dance. And I was like, whoa, I got to learn how to do that. Turn tables and microphone. So I did all of the above. Mm-hmm. Just got good at all of it. And graduated from high school. Sac State University in California, started DJing in California, and uh, it sucked at first, I thought it was good, but I had a situation where I, was, I did a party and it was horrible, so I just never gave up, and I would throw parties in our dining commons every Friday, and move all the tables and chairs, because they had a PA system, and just set up my turntables and just play records with everybody, mm-hmm. and you know, because I had to, I was trying to get better, it was like, I can't just buy the same records. Tower Records in Sacramento, I got to work from all over the country. So I can have the newest first, right? right? That's what I started doing. And that kind of, that really worked because people came from all over. If you can hear something from your hometown and, and you're a whole other place and you're homesick, that's enough, to, that's enough to get you through it, right? So mm-hmm. because I was doing things of that nature and got better and better at uh, DJing, I ended up DJing pretty much every party party or any party on campus that they had and uh, our boy from the band he moved to uh, he went to Germany because he was in the service you know three of us tag team at first but then it was just me and Steve so me and Steve stayed together and I started writing lyrics and uh, we were just shooting lyrics back and forth and then got four tracks and started making songs you know just it just evolved over those four years I was in college and then uh, I moved to Atlanta Georgia started DJing in Atlanta, Georgia, and then it just kind of snowballed, but, you know, we're, we're making hip-hop, and it, you know, yeah. now, you gotta make booty shake, you gotta make bass music, so I knew we had to do that, and I just went to Steve one day, I was like, man, we gotta make some simple stuff together, we're gonna make it out of here. Yeah, I read where, I, where Steve didn't, wasn't really familiar with that type of music. Yeah, he was, but we weren't making that type uh-huh. of music, we okay. loved that type of music, but we weren't making it. Yes, okay. So what, uh, what was your first single that you released, and how was that received? Uh, first one was uh, Strictly Political. Okay. And it was cool, but, you know, it was just, we were just, just trying stuff. That's kind of when I realized, you know, people like it, but it's like we're in the South. You're never going to have a hit record out in the South, right? You can't make something that's New York in the South mm-hmm. and expect it to, to, to really latch on. But people love the record because it was in my club. Once we did one. So, so we're, 
So this was this was the early 1990s when all this was. Yeah, this was like 90. This was the August 92, August September 92. Okay. And I stopped playing it. Then you know, just start playing it January um, 93, and people started responding to it again. And then you know, always had record reps that were in the house. So one of my record reps, uh, Alan Cole, Columbia Records. He was like, "What is that?" I was like, <laughs> Yeah, sort of, they're still sort of in a niche, you know, just certain yeah, certain we, people we listen. Yeah, outside of that, it's yeah. like, okay, how can we really do it? And, you know, I almost gave up, just gave a um, call to a man named Al Bell, and he agreed to, um, he agreed to do the record, and, you know, signed a terrible contract, and gave my two-week notice at the club, and a month and a half, we were flat. Mm, wow. That's quite a success story. Now that that ter- that song you were talking about, Wolf, there it is. What where, where'd that term come from? Now that's uh, I, I assume that's one that you grew up or it's just a party thing. Just from the party scene. It was so so. It's so catchy. I mean, just just it, it makes you want to dance and <laughs> feel good, you know. And it's just you know, it just it's just a. There's no rocket science behind it. It's just the song we made. Yeah. And, you know, you keep it simple. It's just that simple song we made that everybody likes. You know, more than you know, how do guys make that right? Everybody thinks it's a formula, and it's not. And if it was something, it was a formula. Mm-hmm. And we would have made it a hundred more. Mm-hmm. Right, sure, sure. You, you would, you would have kept it going, yeah. yeah So it has been in a lot of movies and TV shows, hasn't it? This song has been... Yeah, yeah. Now, I do SEO, I do websites, acting photographer, I do all kinds of things, 
Right. I have I have mastery in in several of them. So now I'm in a good place in my life. And because of the pandemic, everything you know stopped. And it was that that was the perfect chance for everybody to reevaluate and reinvent. And if you did that, you're looking good right now. If you didn't, you you wasted a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And you're behind. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about how you did all this and rebuilt your know, career and can kept things moving on and, yeah. and it's really been right. interesting so far. I want to mention another one of our sponsors and you know we can never thank our sponsors enough because they're the ones that make this all possible. This one you may not have heard about too much but you're going to be hearing about them on our show and it's Outcast Airbrush and Graphics. They have two locations in Grayville and Alney. The Grayville number is 618-445-7976. In Alney you can call 618- 395-1340. They wanted me to tell you you're welcome to come into the coolest place on earth where imaginations run wild and ideas come to life. It's Outcast Airbrush and Graphics. They specialize in custom-made apparel and specialty tees. They take pride in what they do to bring you a good quality custom-made product from airbrush to graphic tees, cornhole boards, vinyl stickers, and so much more. You can stop into either one of their locations it's Outcast Airbrush and Graphics, 112 East North Street in Grayville, Illinois, 62844, of course, 618-445-7976. Or you can go to Outcast Graphics, 206 West Main Street in Albany, Illinois, 618-395-1340. And we thank them for all they do for us and all they do for you. There's never been a better time to help support Wandering Press. It's a small town venture that reaches across a wide range. Since 1997, we have been dedicated to helping writers wishing to be published a real chance to be published. The publishing world is difficult to break into, and we try to maneuver around the obstacles and find the answers prospective authors need. In addition, we produce internet radio programs such as this one you are listening to right now. In 2011, Wandering Press Initiated Depot Days, a series of summertime concerts on Grayville Riverfront with proceeds going to local charities. All of this is done mostly through donations. Our sponsors are our most important asset. We humbly ask you to consider becoming one, either as an individual or a business sponsor. $20 is all it takes for a year's help. It isn't much, but a little turns into a lot when everyone who can help, helps. Sponsors will be credited on our Facebook page, and rotation ads will air on Wonder Mag on air. All we need is $20 and a business card. Together we can continue to keep doing good work for the community. Contact us at Wandering Press, Post Office Box 153, Grayville, Illinois, 62844. Email wondermag2003 at yahoo.com or call 618-375-1367. Thank you for your consideration. I'm back with D.C. Glenn, and he was telling us the story behind Whoop, There It Is, a very famous song, and his career as a DJ, as a singer, as an actor, a voice artist. Uh, this is, you had some instant success, and then things kind of went downhill, you were telling us. Uh, exactly what started that uh, slide? It really, it was, it was not necessarily a slide. Okay. We were kind of doomed from the start, right? Oh. Well, you mentioned the lawsuit, so I knew there was some... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, so that's, there's a lawsuit where, you know, but this is between, it's just a real complicated situation because 
Yes, sure. Oh, sure. We're still trying to climb out of that mess, you know. Everybody's looking for content. 
got to build the story. So it will be very relevant because last year has been COVID. Everybody fighting with each other and whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and also you want to do this, you know. You want to get in the, you want to get in front of all the uh, publicists. You go here. You want to get in front of all the podcasts. You want to do all the talk shows. You want to get in front of all the journalists. You want to make sure your pitches are this and that and this. When you copyright, you do it. She gave me the whole game in ten minutes, man. Ten minutes. She gave me. She oh well. Wow. But well, you know, really, your your whole story seems to be uh, not only just reinventing yourself, but you you have broken stereotypes because uh, you, you know we talked about the rap music early on, and then you you took you took control of your career, and if you look back through the history, especially music history, and one I think of right off the bat would be Elvis Presley, who just let let everyone else control their careers, and you didn't do that. You you control your own career. This was, this was, of course, in Chicago, right? No, huh? Was this Chicago area you're talking? Nah, Denver. Oh, Denver. Okay. Chicago. Okay, right. So this, this, uh, you know, this that changed me, and then I realized that if you work hard, you know, if you work hard, you can really get money. Mm-hmm. And I've never looked back, and I've never feared work. Like I embrace work. Work is nothing. Now you talked about you talked about commercials and that's that that's work. Uh, people people watch these commercials; they don't last you know, thirty seconds or a minute. But it takes oh, a lot yeah. of time to make a commercial, doesn't it? I, I know that Geico commercial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I prepared. I prepared <laughs> as an actor for for a month, right? And yeah. you would think that I just show up because most people just do that, but I didn't because I know I understand what it is and I wanted it to turn out right and I wanted it to have all you know, all those little nuances. Fitness food, sprinkles, all that stuff. <laughs> preparation. And the director was like, he was open to everything, and we shot everything. And those little nuances of why the commercial is the way it is, because I knew that kids love sprinkles. Period. So I knew I'd have all the kids. Like, I'm thinking strategically like that. 
I'm trying to think back, uh, DC, when this commercial, when did it first start being played on television? Is it this year or was it last year? 28th of December. Okay, so it's not been, yeah, it's not been that long, has it? Oh, I'm sure it is, because, yes. Because everybody loves it, especially like in the summer when ice cream hits, right? You mm-hmm. can always do something with ice cream with that commercial. And I just know people, and then it just, just, it just came at the right time, man, where everybody's tired and uptight. And just, to, just to have something that makes you smile, man. Just And, and it, it really has uh, taken on wings that I could have never imagined. And because I've been doing PR, like, I'm, I have to stop doing PR. That's all I'm doing is PR. <laughs> I really care less about everything else because doing this PR has opened up avenues for me I never thought possible, right? Yes. I'm learning things I never thought I would ever learn. And I've taken, I've taken it and made, my, made it my own because the whole paradigm has shifted because of the pandemic. So for me to learn this right now and to be able to do it my way and be effective, I've created something so new that I'm the leader now. Right now, that's, I'm not saying that I would, I, have, I would have my own PR firm because that's not really what my you want to do. My passion is going all that with me mm-hmm. and blowing up my acting and blowing up my voiceover and just trying to put things out in the universe and not expecting anything back, just doing the work. That's what you do. You do the work. Yes. And, and it comes eventually when you're doing the work, you end up doing the work. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. And and you've you've learned so much as you've talked about learning all these and and how to get it, avoid these mistakes and I know you must have a desire to help other people learn. And that's why and, and that's another reason why I do five or six of these a day. Mm-hmm. They watch their. They're not in the field practices. They're in the game room. Mm-hmm. And right. So for me to do these podcasts, I'm, that's the game tape of my life. What I'm doing at this present time, what I've done in the past, how I can change it, what I can, what the tendencies, how does society react, things of that nature, right? And I come up with different analogies. I come up with different metaphors. I come up with different ways to tell the same story thousands of times because I'm looking at the game tape. So now these these become flawless. Day, and I'm 
figure things out to get to the next level. And I understand what it takes to get to the next level, but I'm not scared to really just do the work and be patient enough to and not get discouraged and just do it. Because the more you do it, the, the, the quicker you get to where you need to be. Like, I love auditions now because the more auditions I do, I know the closer I am to getting the big role, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I do 50 auditions and don't get anything, I don't care. I'm going to get to 60 and 70 because I know eventually somebody's going to say, that was a good audition, put them in this part. Because that's what's been happening. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you can't be a quick pro quo. You can't be, hey. Now, now you, you, you took know, some acting classes, didn't you, to, to learn? I And, and you, I had I had listened to everything that went on in Atlanta, and I want to give it to my fellow actors. And and you taped you taped those sessions, didn't you? You taped your acting classes to listen back I taped to. Taped every last yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. And I can go back to the game tape and get better, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and it's all embedded in. So when I go and redo things, I'm understanding why I was doing the things I was doing. Acting is very difficult. And then now, see, because I, I went through all those classes, I realized that. For me to go to class now is counterproductive because it just takes too long. Mm-hmm. But I can go online and go to the site called weaudition.com where all these actors and actresses are read for you when you got to do auditions. And now I'm training with Broadway actresses in New York, Broadway act, you know, uh, Juilliard trained actresses mm-hmm. in LA, mm-hmm. you know, have classically trained actors yeah. in, uh, in Europe, right? And we're all working out like we're at the gym together. So when you're at the gym working out with somebody that you have the same mindset, you end up sharing all of your all of your experience. Mm-hmm. So if I have a lady, if I have a lady who's been in the game and she's my age and she's been an actress since she was a kid, there are things I can learn from her just through conversation that's going to elevate me. And that's what has happened. All of my 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 team, I call them my we audition team, like fifteen that I just trust. Mm-hmm. They have elevated, elevated me in a way that I could have never done doing it the way I did, but at that time, doing it the way I did was relevant. So because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. there's another scenario of the glass being half full as opposed to the glass being half empty. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to us because it forced everybody to stop. Right? And if you took it serious, you're still here, yeah, right? We're still here, yeah. You're still here, but there's some people who didn't take it serious, and I'm not knocking nobody, right? But there are some people who didn't realize, really, really understand what this meant. This meant, you know, this is this is the Serengeti now. This is survival, yeah. right? You're going to be predator, you're going to be prey. I think it was definitely the event of our lifetime, our lifetime, yeah. yeah. Sets 
Mm-hmm. And then you, 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 you move on. Because, you know, like, first, that's the first couple months. I was expecting everybody to start turning into zombies, right? <laughs> it has that feel, right? You yes, know, it well, I'm like I'm like you, DC. I I uh, I mean, there was nothing open, but I I, I took I, I drove down so many so many country roads and back roads and just oh, the beauty the, the beauty is still there. Nature is still there. You can still see nature. Still there, and nature heals mm-hmm. because those are some of the most beautiful days I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Everything was clear. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hot in the summer. It was a little it was a little cool, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the perfect. Temperature. And you learn to appreciate everything. You've got, you've got to know, you've got to have a plan in place, I would think, yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Like I said, it shouldn't have happened. They couldn't have, they, you know, they didn't have to happen, but, you know, but it did. And you just have to deal with it and move on. So you got a choice. What's your choice? My choice was, this is my time to educate myself, get better, because I know what's about to happen, because I've watched it happen in the financial crisis. Everybody lost their jobs. They thought their jobs were going to come back. Their jobs were going to come back. They yeah. got pissed off. And then they were sitting around waiting for their jobs to come back, and they never came back. It, it's a new world now. But we, it's we, a new we, world. Yeah, yeah we're, and, and it, this is the perfect time to live your dream. What is something that you would always want to do? Well, you got a whole year to learn it, and then go get it. Well, I'm doing it. I'm talking to people like you. That's what I really love to do. And, yeah. And, yeah, you know, and, and write and, and produce. You want to do. You just got to play offense. Yes. You can't play defense. You got to play offense. Well, I sure, I sure, I mean, I know this has been a great interview, and I hope the people listening will take it to heart because you, you've really given some some good information, DC. And, and, and because I'm talking to you, I've come up with three other ideas. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And that's 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 part of it, mostly. Yeah, man. So I mean, if I wanted to, you know, whoop there it is is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And whoop there it is, I went through. You know, let me tell everybody too. You know, I'm, this is this is this this is a serious disclaimer because I'm here to let you know that none of this is easy. I'm here talking to you, and it sounds good, and it sounds you know inspirational, and it sounds like it should be done, but none of this. All of it. It took me 10 years of our SEO. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, you type in tag team, it was all rusty. You type in tag team. Yeah, yeah. It's all tag team. Right? Mm-hmm. That's progress. But it took a long time. That seed took 10 years to build. Some seeds take years. Some seeds take a month. Some seeds take a week. If they're weeds, they might take a day. You might you might add one little thing to your hustle in a day that changes everything. Now, I think that's, that's, that's what people need to understand is that no matter how you feel yourself, you know, you may feel bad. You may not feel like even getting out of bed in the morning, but you, you, you do, and you, you maybe you're going to help somebody else. Maybe, that, maybe that's the reason to get up in the morning is because you're, maybe you're not going to help yourself. You're going to help somebody else. Everybody's been through this scenario right here. Mm-hmm. You're in bed, you're like, I need to go to the gym. But you're like, man, I ain't going to the gym. Now, you know, your sabotage is on your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now you're arguing with your sabotage. You're like, <laughs> Yeah, it happens. It happens, yep. Right? You just argue with the staff for the whole time, and now you're in front of the gym, man. You really ain't got to do 
say to the people listening right now well this has been recorded but uh, if, if you're not getting something out of this conversation you're not listening <laughs> you're not listening or you're just lazy yeah okay. that, might, that might be that too Things to observe, but it boils down to you see a problem or there's a, uh, something. 
Well, very. Well, thank but you very much. Well, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. I appreciate it. I know yeah. you're a busy person, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've all learned something from listening to you. So. Hey, man, I appreciate being here, man. You know, and, you know, we'll, we'll reconnect again. Cause sure. Next year, we'll have a whole bunch more to tell people. And, you know, that's, that's my mission is just to try to help change people's lives. I did it with this, this, this Scoop Dairy is commercial. I did it with Wounds Dairy is commercial. The ability to touch the world is Yeah. That is the greatest gift I could have ever had, and I've been living with that all my life. And you know, with Geico, it's on a level I've never seen. Right? Mm-hmm. When I'm looking at a baby that can't even walk, and then that commercial comes on, and he fights his way to the TV <laughs> just to stand. And he's dancing, don't yeah. even know how to dance. Yeah. I can't explain that. He's amazing. I can't explain that, but I can I can enjoy it. Right? I yes. enjoy it, and I can be inspired by. It.
that's the breathtaker. I produce AKA the Undertaker. You wanna come down to the underground old school? Here's a shovel. Can you dig it, fool? Can you dig it? from classic television has gone to TV heaven. Actor, child actor Lee Aker, who starred on The Adventures of Ren 1010, died on April 1st this year at the age of 77. He also appeared in such films as Hondo with John Wayne, High Noon with Gary Cooper, The Greatest Show on Earth, and The Atomic City, all of these before he was 10 years old. Of course, he starred in the 1950s on the series The Adventures of Ren 1010 from 1954 to 1959 as Rusty, along with a German Shepherd known as Rim 1010. Of course, that was a continuation from Rim 1010 who had been in the silent films. The dog probably got more fan mail than anybody on the show. Of course, it was his show. But Lee Aker was well, well remembered by people who watched his show and other series back in those days. He suffered a stroke and died in Mesa, Arizona. Paul Peterson, who was on the Donna Reed show, is an advocate for former child actors, and uh, he reported this. He also said that uh, Aker had battled drug and alcohol abuse during his life and was alone with one surviving relative that could not help him. The death certificate listed him as an indigent descendant, so Peterson's helping him get a proper burial, which he definitely deserves. It, for Peterson, it marks another sad end to the life of a Hollywood child actor. You're just around to please everyone, he said, and when there's nothing left, they're done with you. Like I said, on the Adventures of Ren 1010, which ran on Friday nights for five seasons from 1954 to 1959, there's 164 episodes. Aker Rusty, the youngster being raised by United States Cavalry soldiers, including James Brown as Lieutenant Rip Masters, at Fort Apache after his parents were killed by Native Americans. Earlier, he portrayed the kidnapped son of a nuclear scientist, Gene Berry, in the Atomic City, 1952. The son of an Arizona homesteader, Geraldine Page, in her film debut, 
is a John Wayne starring Hondo, 1953, and the son of a desperate woman Barbara Stanwyck trying to save her trapped husband Barry Sullivan in Jeopardy, 1953. He was born on September 25, 1943 in Inglewood, California. His mother owned a dancing school and he and his brother had a song and dance act. Director Fred Zinnerman spotted him on a live KTLA program one Saturday night and cast him as the title character in Benji, 1951, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary Short. In 1952, Ager appeared in uncredited roles in Zinnerman's High Noon, Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on Earth, and Charles Vidor's Hans Christian Andersen, and was billed above Marilyn Monroe in O'Henry's Full House, just four of the nine movies he was in that year. His credits around that time also included the films Arena, 1953, Mr. Scoutmaster, 1953, Ricochet Romance, 1954, and Destry, 1954, and the TV series The George Burns and Grace the Allen Show, and The Lone Ranger. In a 2011 interview, Aker said he got $250 an episode to start with on Ren 1010, with his salary growing to $500 per installment during the final season. After Ren 1010, he guest starred on other series and eventually left Hollywood in 1962. He went on to work as a carpenter for two decades. He taught some underprivileged children and people with disabilities at Mammoth Mountain in California how to ski and tried to live on his $1,500 a month SAG pension. So, goodbye to Corporal Rusty, Lee Aker, and thanks for the many memories. This is Denny Reese, and I want to close out Wonder Mag on Air, episode 89, and thank my very special guest, D.C. Glenn. Very inspirational talk he gave us and talked about his career and, and his life in the world of show business and music. And Mr. Glenn, thank you very much. And whoop, there it is. And we're going to be watching you and seeing what you're doing as you move along in this wonderful world that we all live in. And I want to close out with this uh, song, which is appropriate, I think. And I'm not even sure exactly what the message behind this song is, except it's, it's one that way back in the day, it made me laugh. It still makes me laugh. And uh, it's kind of a feel-good song, I guess. And it's this tone loke with Funky Cold Medina. So long, folks. And this has been a very different version of our show. But you know what? I think that... Uh, moderation is everything and that we try to try to keep it fresh and, and keep it different and i really hope we're accomplishing that goal so long we just need to go a little something like this hit it come on Cool it.
for And I'm looking for some action But like Mick Jagger said I can't get no satisfaction The girls are all around But none of them want to get with me My threads are fresh And I'm looking deaf Y'all can suck what I do The girls are so shocking At the other end of the bar Have a drink with some no-name chump When they know that I'm a star So I gotta be stoked over To the other side of the cantina I asked the guy why he's so fly, he said, Funky Cole with Dina. This brother told me a secret on how to get more chicks. Put a little Medina in your glass and the girls will come real quick. Alcohol or aphrodisiac, a couple of sips of this love potion and chill be on your lap. So I came up to my dog when he began to beg, and then he licked his bowl and he looked at me and did a wild thing on my leg. He used to scratch and bite me before he was much, much meaner. But now all the poodles run to my house for the funky cold with me. You know what I'm saying? I got every dog in my neighborhood breaking down my door. I got Spuds, Alex and Strolls. They won't leave my dog alone with that Medina pal. I went up to this girl. She said, hi, my name is Sheena. I thought she'd be good to go with a little funky old Medina. She said, I don't like that drink. I said, mm, well, I'll go get it. And then a couple of sips, she go lick the lips, and I knew that she was with it. So I took her to my crib, and everything went well as planned. But when she got her dress, it was a big old mess. Sheena was a man. So I threw her mouth. I don't fool around with no Oscar Mayer wiener. You must be sure that your girl is pure for the funky cold Medina. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no plans with a man. This is the 80s, and no down in the lake. No joke. Medina's a monster. 